and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, joined on the other line, as always, by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. What's going on, Anthony? Nothing much. How are you, David? Nothing much. That's that's uh, probably the right <laughs> words to be using these days. We can all say that, except for, obviously, the people on the front lines of this pandemic, you yeah. know. But, but most of us, that's what our job is, not to do much and stay home. Yeah, all of us in the sports world, certainly. Uh, and that includes uh, Eric Reed, Heat play-by-play announcer, uh, who we just got to talk to for, I don't know, about half an hour uh, about what his life is like now uh, without any basketball to commentate on. Um, and we also obviously just talked some, some basketball and some heat with him. Um, so I guess without further ado, let's just dive right into uh, the interview we did with Heat play-by-play announcer and a true Heat lifer, Eric Reed. Right, we are joined now by Eric Reed, Heat play-by-play announcer and the very definition of a heat lifer, a heat lifer since day one. Eric, how's it going? It's going well, all things considered, guys. Uh, we're staying home a lot and staying safe and staying well and doing our best to take care of our family and ourselves. Yeah, just how bizarre has this uh, time been for you? Like, what have what you kind of been doing to occupy the time that you know, normally would be filled with uh, your prep and, and obviously calling games? Well, first of all, uh, you know, it, I think what we're going through now is, is so unique. In terms of how it ended, that was really bizarre because, you know, I, I remember driving to the game on March 11th, uh, heat against Sh- Charlotte in Miami. And, and, and I remember on the drive down from Boca thinking, this is probably going to be the last game we play with fans in the stands, with everything that was going on. And then you get to the game, and, uh, you know, I remember right before tip-off, uh, before John and I were getting ready to, to sit down and do our on-camera open, you know, prior to game time, and I, I remember looking into the seats, and, you know, part of me felt heartwarmed that it was a capacity crowd, even on a night like that, with the threat of the coronavirus building, and there was a part of me that looked up in the stands and felt badly about it and felt like, you know, maybe this isn't the right thing to do right now. And But I, I thought that, you know, I never thought that was going to be our last night of, of games. I, you know, I, I figured, well, we'll play with no fans and we'll still televise as a service to the public. People can watch the games. And and then, I, then the, the thought hit me, boy, what if as soon as the first player tests positive, it's going to shut the whole thing down. And, you know, I always follow Twitter during timeouts at, at games uh, on my iPad next to me. And I was really looking to see when the league was going to announce, you know, that the following day, no fans at games. And the, in the middle of that game, the first warning signal came when I see on a tweet that the uh, Oklahoma City-Utah game had been postponed. Uh, it was delayed. Both teams were sent back into the locker room. And without knowing why, I, I showed the tweet to John, and it was just that first sign that something was about to go really wrong. And then maybe within the half hour, word comes out that Rudy Gobert, the Jazz, had tested positive. And a half hour later, we're in the middle of the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, the NBA tweets out the league will suspend operations following the games of that evening. And it was, you know, it was shocking, a, a shocking, sudden unplugging of, of the NBA. And we're in the middle of the fourth quarter of, by the way, uh, an awful loss for the Heat. <laughs> 
uh, losing at home to Charlotte in a really, you know, maybe the most dismal performance at home all season. The Heat had, had done so great at the American Airlines Arena. And by the time the game ended, uh, you barely cared that the Heat lost the game. Uh, much bigger things were at stake. And I just remember after the game, uh, we always go up to the family lounge and sit with the other broadcasters for a few minutes. Uh, that few minutes turned into about an hour. And I'm not sure what kind of conversation it was. It was a lot of quiet time and just reflection. And for me, that 45-minute ride home and uh, just weird and odd and, and staggering. And, and now in the interim... You know, in a way, guys, it you know the suddenness of being unplugged from it uh, hurt, and now we're just going day by day, like every other person around the world, and certainly in America, is going through right now. So um, it's a lot like the off season, which we're used to spending a lot of time at home, but obviously also very different from the off season. So the basketball side we're coping with, and and now I think the more important thing, taking care of ourselves, uh, making sure. Everything is right for, for me, for my wife and daughter that, that are home with me. We have two older children that, that uh, you know, both are in their 30s and, and both are living in New York City right now. So we're concerned for them, but we know how well they're managing and, and taking care of themselves. But just go one day at a time, whether it's, uh, you know, a project around the house. I'm, I'm the new kitchen assistant uh, here in Boca Raton for, the, for my wife. And, and you too, uh, huh? I'm, Hey, I'm still, <laughs> yeah, me too. Hey, any married guy is right now. Here's the one thing that I'm doing as a pattern. Uh, my daughter is back in school. She's a, an eighth grader at American Heritage in Delray. They've done an amazing job of transitioning to online learning. So I'm getting her up early. She starts her school day at 8.30 in the morning, and I jump on my Peloton bike, and that's when I get my, my Peloton workout in. And then later in the day, you know, we call it the golden hour around 6.15, 6.30. Myself, the wife, my daughter, and our dog, Duke, we leash him up, and we walk about two to three miles every night. The weather has been outstanding. Uh, we're meeting a lot of neighbors that we didn't know from a distance, uh, but enjoying that time together and enjoying those mind-clearing uh, walks every night and just being thankful that we're all together and all healthy. You mentioned that, that March 11th game. You've obviously covered a lot more games than I have, but that scene, I have to imagine, was pretty much as bizarre as any I think probably pretty much anyone has seen where you could kind of tell like it went through the whole crowd. People were checking their phones, finding out the season was suspended, and obviously no one on the court had any idea. It was I think it was like five minutes left in the game, four minutes left in the game, and um, it was just weird to like see a game still going on as normal when you knew every so much had changed, um, you know, or so much was about to change across the world. Yeah, it, you know, and I think I think we could all be proud of of uh, the leadership from Adam Silver and, and the, uh, and the courage of the NBA to be the first to do that. Uh, you remember the next day, other pro sports and, and other things followed suit and it was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, and now I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, the league resuming and when that will happen. And, um, you know, I'm glad they're making plans. I hope those plans come to fruition and we can complete the season, but right now, obviously, there's there's more important things. But it was it was so surreal that evening. You know, we told you how it felt from a work perspective. I I had some friends in the stands that night. It was it was a family that I know, and and uh, they didn't find out until their their drive home. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think anybody that was at that game or maybe even just watching it on, on Fox Sports Sun, uh, it's, a, it's not a night you will soon forget. You know, we've been doing this for 32 years with the Heat. Uh, tech on another 11 seasons of college football and basketball broadcasting before that. Uh, I don't think we've ever gone through anything quite like that. And uh, I obviously, as a country, we've never gone anything quite like this either. So it's it's bigger than, you know, your heart goes out to everyone right now. And my first thought was like, oh, man, college and high school seniors, yeah. people that played spring sports, people that were ready to graduate, people that are planning weddings, confirmations, bar and bat mitzvahs. I mean, everything got put on hold, uh, you know, a sense of suspended animation. So it's affected all of us one way or another, some way more dramatically than others. And right now our thoughts and prayers are just with everybody out there, especially those that are that are fighting the coronavirus and obviously those that are fighting for us, uh, the medical professionals. Uh, I mean, you know, never, have, you know, doctors and nurses, uh, you know, I think nurses for me hold a special place in my heart. They're such giving, caring people. Um, doctors the same, although they probably get less overall credit for it. But I think now's a time where we're really appreciating everyone in the medical profession. We know the risks that they're taking. Uh, we know how important it is to, to keep them healthy and safe so they can keep the rest of us healthy and safe. Eric, and, you know, like, like you, I travel to a lot of the games and you just get so used to kind of the daily grind and the routine of the season. It kind of becomes almost like clockwork. But I think like for me, when, when the league, when the season was suspended, it was almost like a sense of shock of like, okay, in two weeks, they'll be back, you know, but it kind of hit me at some point, okay, this is going to be a long time. When did it hit you that this is not a two week, not even a month thing. Like this, this is going to be a long-term stoppage where, you know, we don't even know if the season's going to, going to start again. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know when Anthony, I, I, I really became fully aware of, of the real threat that we were under, but obviously it was prior to March 11th. I mean, we'd all seen what was going on in China and, 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 uh, you know, uh, South Korea and then Italy and you knew it was coming and I was taking it seriously. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, there was, there was a lot of misinformation of, you know, only old people will be affected. Um, you know, it, it'll ebb, you know, in the warmer weather, uh, and you didn't know what really to believe. We're, we're learning every day as, as we go forward. But I never looked at this uh, when, when, when March 11th came and went. I didn't think it was a two-week thing. Uh, I know we're going like two weeks to a month at a time. But for me, I, you know, I, I, my wife and I had a long talk. Um, and I'm 62 years old. My wife's a little bit younger than I. Um, you know, we have a 14-year-old daughter at home. It's... My wife's had her ups and downs with, with her own health. Uh, we made a promise to ourselves and to each other that if we were going to make a mistake uh, during this time, it was going to be uh, being overly cautious rather than not cautious enough. So, um, you know, mentally for me, I'm hunkered down thinking like, you know, we're going to have to get through the whole summer like this. If it's less, uh, that's great. That, that'll be great for all of us. Um, if it's more, the, as the days go by, it, it's a challenge. But I, I know there's so many challenges. You know, everybody misses their jobs and their careers. And, and, you know, so many people are out of work right now. 
but I, I guess if there's a choice, I'd rather be out of work than, than out of health. So I think the health comes first. And, um, you know, we just got to trust in, in, you know, that, that trust the process saying has never meant more to me than, than right now. This is a, a, a national process that I hope everybody is, is paying attention to because the safer we all stay, uh, it affects every one of us. Uh, we don't want to do this. Uh, and have it go to waste and have to do it all over again. So the stay-at-home thing is, is very much for real. And, uh, you know, we're in it for the long haul. And, and I hope, you know, it's summertime, the NBA comes back and we can get back to work and, and, and we can let this this compelling Heat team finish what they started. And uh, they deserve the chance to compete in the playoffs. They earned that. And, uh, you know, but it's so much more far-reaching than that. It almost... You know, even though it's 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 uh, so important to all of us, it's trivial right now when when you compare it to what we're we're watching going on around the country and around the world for that matter. Yeah, how much are you hoping just to get that this team gets that chance to play in the postseason this year? You know what, David? If I'm going to be totally honest with you, what's really on my mind in regards to the NBA is I, I just want next season to start on time. Yeah. That would be my my first my first wish. I just hope that next season is unimpaired and can start on time and, and, and we can get back to what we know as normal. Of course, I hope that, that they can salvage the rest of this season. Uh, it's, you know, we're low, like, listen, baseball didn't even get a chance to start. Uh, basketball and hockey are, you know, in the tail end of, of their regular season. We had 16 or 17 games left. Now, th- listen, the calendar is going to dictate you know, how much can, how much, if anything, can be replayed and restarted. Uh, because when this thing clears, the calendar will tell the NBA, you know, what you can fit in. In uh, all the reading we've done, we know they'd like to get five to eight, five to ten regular season games to get teams warmed back up, uh, to satisfy TV uh, contractual obligations. Uh, there's a lot of business reasons why they want to get a few more games in. And there's some very real basketball reasons. You can't, it would be hard to just jump right in to, to the playoffs. Um, you know, none of these teams are going to be where they were, uh, when we left off, when we pick back up, if it's two, three months from now. Um, so it's, it's going to be compromised. It has already, but of course we're hoping they could finish up and we can get some form of the, of the, the 2020 NBA playoffs. And I hope this team does get a chance to participate in that. It, it's funny because on paper and right now, all it is, is, is on paper. I think it's the best that the heat roster has been this season because, you know, by the time we start back up, if we are fortunate enough to do that, you know, you're going to have Tyler Hero who came back, uh, you know, right before we got shut down. And you'd have Myers Leonard back, plus the addition of, you know, Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill. So I personally think that, that Crowder and Iguodala made the heat better and deeper. And and uh, in his absence, we realized how important Myers Leonard was to the, to the whole mix. And to have the whole group healthy and back together – it's, it's as deep as they've been. I think it's as good as they've been. And I'd really love to see them get a chance. Now, will they have home court if it happens? You know, who knows? Right now they were a game and a half up, I believe, on Indiana for the fourth spot when, when we got shut down. So, I, you know, listen, will home court even mean anything now? You know, all year long you were fighting for that, for that last home court spot in the first round. And 
under normal circumstances, you know, I don't think it could have meant any more to any team, other, you know, more than Miami and Philadelphia. They were two of the best teams in the league at home, and they were both below average on the road. So I think to the Heat and Sixers specifically, home court meant so much. But if these games, uh, especially the playoffs, are all going to be played on a neutral site, guess what, guys? Uh, home court means nothing. So it would take that part of it out. But, yes, I, uh, in a long, roundabout way, I, I hope that it would mean so many good things if, uh, if the NBA is back in business this summer and we can complete these start and complete the playoffs. Eric, and I, I know, you know all of our minds are elsewhere at the moment and we're trying to stay kind of in – in the present, but you know, what do you, I guess when you when you think back when you think about the job and not being able to do it, what what do you miss most right now about kind of the, you know, I know you, your prep is kind of famous, you know, how much prep you do and all that, but what do you, what do you miss most about you know your day to day work that you're not able to do at the moment? You know, the games. I mean, the prep for me is 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 always the work part of my job is is getting yourself ready to broadcast each game and. You know, we talk a lot about preparation of, to, to broadcast students and the people in the industry. I, I don't think, I'm not sure how interested fans are in that process. But it's, you know, it's it, it's a thick process for me. I take it really seriously. And there are stages to it. There's the work I do at home in the in the day or two days prior to each game. But, it's, but what you really miss, and I enjoy the prep because it gets you ready for each game and each night. But it's it's game night. It's it's talking to both coaches. It's interacting with your own colleagues with the Heat and and your and and your your broadcast colleagues from around the league. And it's the the fun and joy of you know that off we go on another NBA adventure thing is real. And um, you know, 32 years of doing it, and even though it sounds like you're doing the same thing over and over again every night, it's different. You never know what to expect. And and that's the funny thing about prep versus execution. Um, you can prep for only so much, but the kind of job you do is all based on how you react to the spontaneous uh, because things change by the second in NBA basketball, and it's how we respond as broadcasters to, to the events that unfold right before our eyes that really determines the kind of job we do. But it's a great joy to be in this profession. Um, it's a great joy to, to be doing it for the Miami Heat for all these years, and it, it never gets old. And um, you know, you always miss it when it's not there. I didn't need this to make me appreciate it more than, than, than I do now. Um, it's funny. One, one fan on Twitter asked early into this period, uh, you know, asked, I think wrote to myself and to Tony Fiorentino, I asked us both of all the games you've done, you know, what's the, what's the greatest game, you know, you've ever done. And, you know, I sat there for a couple of minutes thinking how to respond to this fan and I didn't want to trivialize it, and I didn't. It was too hard to just, you know, I've done over 2,500 heat games in, in the 32 years. It's hard to pick one or two or three. So you know what my answer was? The next one. And I really mean that with all my heart. I think the next game, uh, game, na- game day or game night for all of us is going to be very, very special. Are you watching old games or anything like that to get your fix right now, or are you uh, plugged out of basketball for the most part? I am watching the heck out of old games. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the Fox Sports Sun is doing a neat thing. Every every Heat game night uh, where there was a game scheduled, uh, they are rebroadcasting a, you know, one of the better wins from, from the season past. 
and I'm enjoying watching those. Um, so it sort of freshens your memory of, of earlier in the season. It gets you a chance to look back at the Heat at different times during the year, and I find it interesting and, and fun. And we're also rotating as Heat broadcasters uh, doing live tweets on mm-hmm. the Fox Sports site. Um, Jax, John Crotty, Ruth Riley Hunter, uh, myself, we're all taking turns doing it, and it's fun interacting with fans through that. But i got to admit, the most the most enjoyable experience I've had watching old games is on NBA TV uh, when they were replaying so many of the Heat's playoff games from, from the Big Three era. And while I was doing the best job I've ever done cleaning my patio, I watched the entire 2013 finals. And, God, so much came back to me. Um, yeah. A, how great that Heat team was. B, how great that series was. Um, you know, two of the great teams in NBA history, I, I think, made for one of the best NBA finals in, in league history. You've got arguably at least seven players that are going to be in the Hall of Fame that played in that series. Um, you know, four for the Spurs and, and Ginobili, Parker, Duncan and Kawhi Leonard. The three for the Heat are obvious and, and Bosch, uh, LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade. And maybe Ray Allen gets in, too. So, uh a historic series and the drama involved and the quality of play. I mean, uh, I was even nervous watching game six and seven again, knowing the result. And uh, it brought back all the drama and tension and joy that that series gave us. And it also gave me a chance to really sit back and enjoy the work of of two of my favorite colleagues, uh, Mike Breen and, and Jeff Van Gundy. They, they, uh, there was no other broadcasters in the finals on, on ABC, it was just those two guys. I thought they did a terrific job of, of being knowledgeable and passionate for both teams. You know, Breen obviously got the uh, broadcast award to, to go into the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's supposed to happen this summer. Uh, what a deserving colleague. Nobody, uh, you know, Mike sets such a great standard for the rest of us. He's at the very top of the food chain in our profession as a broadcaster, and he's also one of the nicest people you'll ever want to meet. Jeff Van Gundy, who, uh, you know, obviously a lot of listeners here will know as a former head coach and a TV guy. Jeff and I go back to the late 1980s. I was the radio announcer for Providence College Basketball. He started off as a graduate assistant under Rick Pitino and, and later served with, with Gordon Chiesa. And that's how far back Jeff and I go. So, but to, to, I, I'm going to text both of them in, in the coming days and just tell them, you know, it's only seven or eight years too late. But I just want to write them both a note, um, having recently watched that whole series all over again. What a tremendous job from, from colleague to colleague. I just want to tell them they did a great job uh, broadcasting the, one of the great NBA final series ever. Yeah, you know, with no with no games going on, David and I have to actually, you know, put out a podcast once a week. Obviously, you know, that's why we're doing one right now. And two weeks ago, we we watched Game Six of the 2013 Finals and kind of talked about it on the pod, you know, on, on, for an episode on the podcast. And it's just amazing how much things you notice that you didn't notice when you're, you know, watch the game the first time or even the second time when you rewatch it, you know, years later. There's so many little things that you can pick out that. Maybe you want to notice that first. It's it's pretty, it's a cool a cool exercise to do. I think during this time, it is. You know, it's like, hey, why why do you think people go to museums over and over again? That you can look at the same painting or 
or an artifact and, and see something different every time you look at it. And, and I think those 2013 finals and so much of those four years with the big three uh, was a basketball work of art. And especially at game six and, and game seven, you know, people forget that game six had to go to overtime and take a game saving close out and block by Bosch. Game seven went to the final minute. But I love looking at, at that closeout again by Bosch. Uh, it was such an extraordinary play diagram by Coach Popovich. But Bosch saw it coming. You know, he was our Andre Iguodala back then, a guy that could see things happening before it happened. And, and his split-second reaction, both on the rebound and the pass to the corner to Ray Allen, and seeing that curl. Uh, by Danny Green, leaving his man, sprinting to the, yeah. to the far right corner and making one of the great, I call it the greatest closeout in the history of closeouts, but what a play to end that game. Definitely, definitely. All right, uh, want to finish up with some basketball real quick? Uh, we got like four or five questions. We figured we could just kind of run through them quickly. Um, okay, sure. First one, uh, just what's the most surprising thing about this team so far this year? I would have to say, and there were a lot of surprises, uh, you know, um, uh, my bronze medal surprise, Kendrick Nunn. Nobody saw that coming, and what a gem. Uh, from the first time I saw him in Vegas at Summer League till now, he does the same thing. This guy's a born scorer and a natural scorer. I love what he's done. Duncan Robinson gets my silver medal surprise. Again, nobody saw that coming. Um, from a guy that played 10 games in the league a year ago and was a G League guy to one of the most feared shooters in the world. But I'm going to have to go with Bam Adebayo. Um, while we all thought he would improve uh, to become a 21, 22-year-old all-star, um, to become one of the top 15 players in the league, and I think he will be on one of those three All-NBA teams. I think he'll be first-team All-NBA defense. I think he has a chance to win the league's most improved player award. He's become maybe the, the franchise's best player right now, and he's also a, a tremendous recruiting tool when it comes to free agency. Uh, I know they say everybody loves Raymond. I say everybody loves Bam. They love playing with him. Uh, he's a great teammate. He's a coach's dream. And what uh, a Grand Slam draft pick he was. Uh, he's going to go down as one of the best draft picks in Heat history. And I hope when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the great players in Heat history. I think he's got that chance, not only because of his talent makeup, but because of his uh, personality makeup. He's a winner, a worker, and a very coachable guy who, who just wants to win. You've obviously covered a lot of Heat players. Um Regarding Bam, is there anybody that he reminds you of? I, I know you know the games of him and, and Zoe and his game are different, but just their mentality. Is there? I mean, is there any comparison between those two or anybody, you know, else you've you've kind of covered here with the Heat? You know, Bam is somewhere between Zoe and, and the, the the tenacity of Zoe, um, the gentleman like nature of a PJ Brown, but but Bam is unique, as unique as he is as a player. Um, you know, a guy that can guard centers and point guards. I mean, he can guard anybody. Um, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories to tell about Bam is really about uh, the Heat basketball side, too. It, you know, when they drafted Bam, they saw things in him that I'm not sure anybody else really even saw. Maybe even Coach Cal, who only had him for a year at Kentucky. I'm not sure how aware he was of it. But I'll never forget after Bam's rookie year, going to Las Vegas and watching that summer league team play, and watching Bam bring the ball up the floor 
And I'm sitting there in the stands with my head in my hands, totally wrong, by the way, with what I'm going to tell you. I'm looking at it saying, like, what are we doing? This guy can't even make a 12-foot jump shot yet. Why are we putting this on his play? Like, let him work on his, on his mid-range jump shot. But look at what you're seeing now. So the Heat saw that in him before any before the rest of the world did, and now you're seeing a state-of-the-art player who, who can do everything but make a three consistently, and, and that's, that's probably in the, in the next phase of development for him. But he is as versatile and as complete a player as we've seen, and he's also his unique uh, uh, personality. He's, he's, he's serious and he's businesslike when he's playing, and you can't find the nicer young man when he's not playing. Uh, so respectful and loving to his mom and his family. Uh, so respectful and, and friendly to everybody that he meets. You know, comes into the family lounge after every game, shakes everybody's hands. I mean, this is a guy you, the more you know him, the more you love him and just root for him. And more than anything else, just enjoy him right now. So I think he's unique and is going to carve out his own place in, in Heat history. What have you uh, learned about Jimmy Butler in this first year? I think um, you know the, the you know his play did not surprise me. That you know that is what it is. He's he's as uh, good a two way player as there is in the league. He, everybody knows he's always going to give you that same effort on the defensive end as he and, and as he does on the offensive end. I think we all learn you know what an asset his ability to get to the free throw line is. Uh, even on nights where his shot wasn't dropping, he was still getting his 20 points a game because he was one of the top three or four players in the league at getting to the free throw line. Um, I think if there was anything that was a little bit disappointing, it was his perimeter shooting. And I'm not even thinking about his three-point shot, but just his, his mid-range game. I don't think it was one of his better years with that, but his overall play was was very good. And the, And the thing that surprised me in a positive way uh, and only because I, I, you, you learn certain things about a player when you see them every night and you're around them you know, every day during an NBA season. I didn't realize his leadership qualities were as they are. Um, the confidence that he infused into the Heat's younger players, namely Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Kendrick Nunn, I think was uh, invaluable to those three guys. Uh, he quickly established himself as a, a locker room and, and as a team leader. And, and that's what I was most pleasantly surprised about. Not so much the way he played, but the way he led. And uh, I, th- I think it's a great marriage, player to team. Um, I think Dwayne Wade put it best, guys, when he said his crazy matches the Heat's crazy. So a perfect match, a warrior player uh, to a franchise that values that very, very dearly. Speaking of Dwayne Wade, the, the, the Dwayne-Udonis Haslam rookie duo was obviously, you know, it's, it's legendary. Um, but this rookie duo of Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn, I know you spoke a little bit about Kendrick earlier. Um, the, where does that duo stand? I know Tyler, you know, has been injured for the past few, I guess the last few weeks before the season was suspended. But that duo, Hero and Nunn, how, how special is it, you know, how the potential will be? Well, to digress for a second, the Dwayne Wade weekend was so wonderful this year. When his jersey got retired, it was a whole weekend of festivities. Uh, It really capped off the greatest player in franchise history, and I I loved every second of that. Um, You know, and and by the way, how much Udonis was a part of that. They'll probably go down as the greatest pair of teammates in franchise history 
for franchise history because how many other duos are going to come in together and, and play, you know, 14 out of 16 years together. So I think their place in history is, is well kept. Um, in terms of this year's rookie class, well, listen, it, it, it looks like they, they hit another home run drafting Tyler Hero. Um, unfortunate, his season got a little short-circuited by the, by the ankle injury, but people already can see the upside uh, of Tyler Hero. He's a, uh, a dynamic offensive player. I know his defense is going to get better, but he's an offensive game changer. He plays with great confidence, and, and Coach Spo has that kind of great confidence in him. Even if he's not hitting his shots, you got to defend him like he is, and, and he's a pretty good playmaker off the dribble as well. Uh, and, and who knows how good he's going to be. That's going to be the fun story of as time tells it. Kendrick Nunn, I, you know, we're looking at a guy that's going to, going to be in the league at 10 years, I believe. His game is, is so ready to go. You know, he's, he is mature as a player. I think the year in the G League really helped him. But if you go back and watch his G League tapes, even his, his college tapes, it's, it's always the same thing. A guy that could score in every way from dunks and layups uh, to the runners to his mid-range game, uh, his three-point range. He can score in every way. His playmaking got better as the season went on. Um, his demeanor, that's the first thing I noticed about him. You know, uh, in summer, you know, and the thing that boggled my mind about him. First of all, when I saw him and Hero first in Summer League in Vegas last summer with John Crotty, um, I, I said, first of all, Hero and Nunn, they go together like milk and cookies. This, this is the backcourt we're going to see for the next decade in Miami. But then Nunn comes in the training camp and plays exactly the way he played in Summer League in preseason. And then he goes from preseason into the regular season and, and looks like the same guy. So the, the, the tremendous jump in quality of competition – didn't seem to phase him. And, you know, one of, the, one of the games I'll never forget with Kendrick was his 40-point preseason finale against Harden and Westbrook and the Rockets. And it wasn't just the 40 points he scored. It was the way he comported himself through that game. He never smiled once. And I remember when Coach Spolstra named him a starter on opening night, I said to Coach Spo in a private conversation, I said, what was Kendrick's reaction when you told him he was starting on opening night? And Spo looked at me and said, no reaction. And that's Kendrick Nunn. He's, he's a really even-keeled young man who is ready for this. He's been working all his life for this. And of all the stories, uh, for some reason, his appealed and, and touched me, his, his second-chance tale here this year. And, and I was into the Kendrick Nunn story from the very first time I saw him last summer in Las Vegas playing for the Heat Summer League team. All right, last one. Uh, where does Duncan Robinson rank in Heat history for you as a three-point shooter? One of the best. I mean, you know, we can go all the way back to, to, the, to the expansion team that had John Sunvold. You know, obviously he was terrific. Um, you know, there, there were other guys that had games and seasons. But I, I think, you know, for me, the two best three-point shooters to ever wear a Heat uniform are or Ray Allen and, and Duncan Robinson. And I'm not going to put Duncan in the same breath as, as Ray right now because Ray, over the long haul of his, of, of his great career, has proven to be one of the very best. But Duncan Robinson, you know, his jump from, from his 10-game his rookie season, uh, 15 games in his rookie season, to, to what he did this year, you know, it was surprising enough that he was a starter and – 
And, you know, I got to give some people that coaching staff. I know Shane Battier was behind that before it happened. That took some clairvoyance and some vision. Um, what a space creator. What a great shot maker. Um, his confidence kept growing and growing. He was, you know, he was on his way to setting all kinds of records. It was already the best single season in Heat history. And, you know, I look for more of the same as soon as this thing resumes. The Heat have a great weapon in him. And his skill set, you know, goes perfectly with the way today's NBA game is, has changed where three-point shooting is king. And, and he's among the kings in, in, in that particular specialty. All right, thanks again for joining us, Eric. Uh, fans can still catch Heat basketball on Fox Sports Sun. Uh, you guys are still airing some of the Heat's best wins of the season, as you mentioned earlier, on what were supposed to be the game nights. And Eric, John, Jax, everyone will be chipping in from time to time to live tweet those games. So if you are missing the Heat, be sure to check that out. And lots of old games, as we mentioned, also on NBA TV. Uh, so there's plenty of ways to still get your basketball fixed right now. Eric, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. David, Anthony, great talking to you guys. Hope we can do it again. And uh, stay safe, stay home, stay well to you and, and all your listeners. You too, Eric. Thank you very much.